I'm Liz Elko and this is The Elastic Brand. Today's show is kindly sponsored by With Jack. With Jack exists to help keep you in business by supporting you financially or legally if you have problems with a client. With Jack is all about people like us, the designers, developers, illustrators and all-round web pros that haven't been given the insurance answer they deserve. Here's a situation that With Jack recently helped out with. A developer delivered work late and the client refused to pay their invoice as well as claimed loss of income for the delayed project. Their professional indemnity insurance covered their unpaid invoice under the mitigation costs clause and provided lawyers to defuse the situation with the client. With Jack champions one policy for one group of professionals. With zero cancellation fees and monthly plans, you have complete control over your insurance. Visit withjack.co.uk and be a confident freelancer. So my guest today is none other than Gavin Strange. Gavin is a director and designer at Ardman Animations by Day and a passion project pursuer, that's quite hard to say actually, under the name of Jam Factory by Night. His work is wide and varied and always exciting and groundbreaking and I'm pretty sure we're going to see you on stage collecting an Oscar at some point. I'm just going to predict that now. (laughs) So welcome to the show, Gavin. Oh, thank you. What an intro. Flipping heck. Oh, that would that would actually, I don't think my physical being or my mind could ever <laughs> comprehend if that even, even just to even think about it, even to sort of let myself dream is like, I'm, I'm sort of slapping myself on the wrist. No, don't get excited. That could never happen. Uh, but that'd be nice. Thanks, Liz. <laughs> Especially as we've just had the Oscars as well, haven't we? So it's very at the forefront of our minds at the moment. But um, so you think you just explode with excitement if actually? Oh my days! I just, yeah, I just <laughs> even just to go. I'm such a fan of all of that stuff as well. Yeah, and, you know, like I love watching the Baftas every year. It's sort of become a bit of a tradition, and I just I really like the 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 ceremony of it all. Really, I you know I'm I'm such a fan of film and all aspects of, of moving image and gaming and culture and everything and I just I just love I love it I love seeing good people do well I really like that I really love people at the top of their game or whether they're the beginning or the, or they're you know being honored with a you know sort of a legacy award for their career I just I just find it fascinating to see human beings doing great stuff and you know things like the BAFTAs and the Oscars they're always they're always a surprise. There's always some runaway winners. There's always some people that you haven't heard of, and then you discover, and then you think, "Oh my days, these people are incredible." Yeah, I really like it. I'm I'm a bit I'm a big fan, and oh man, one day if if I could if I could do something worthy worthy of even me getting me to something like that, that would I would be happy. But um, in the meantime, I'll just keep on keeping on I suppose <laughs> I predict it's going to happen I just think just being involved in the day and just going a lot you know like the glamour it's like old school glamour isn't it you know it's like stepping yeah. back in time to you know we've all seen pictures like Grace Kelly those things you think it's basically the same pretty much isn't it it's just quite amazing I think and I'm like you I'm like such a lover of people like seeing people do amazing work I find it so emotional when you see people like just creating something quite exceptional Um, yeah and I think I remember Frances McDormand you know and she I think did she win the um, BAFTA for uh three billboards outside yes she did yeah and um I just remember watching her speech and just thinking 
I, it stayed with me for like days afterwards. I was like, that is someone who is at the pinnacle, the height of their powers and abilities. I just find it. Oh, wonderful. she, yeah, I remember she cleaned up that year, but I, I remember it more specifically because um, my friend's sister is Sally Hawkins, the actress, and she was nominated for lots of things for The Shape of Water oh, of at course, the same time. Yeah. And mm. But Frances McDormand just cleared up, just yeah. cleared up. And every day we'd come back into work and and, uh, and our friend Finbar, who is Sally's brother, who works at Ardman, so that's how we, we sort of, we, we become like um, proxy sort of family <laughs> slash proxy fans of, of Sally's work. And yeah. we sort of always like get behind him. We're always like, no, Frances, even though she's amazing. And yeah, her speeches were fantastic. <laughs> and she is a force of nature it is just very cool seeing people do well really well yeah yeah I just I watched Olive Kittredge the other day which I hadn't seen before with Frances in and I was like she's just she's just unbelievable she's like a different different you know she's like a magical being but I think there are people like that in the world who are like just unbelievably talented at, at what they do and are quite I think oh, like David yeah. Bowie that you know that kind of person who's like just insane yeah well Amazing. I think people um like especially act I think people totally forget how flipping difficult acting oh. is I mean just to become to to convince someone else a stranger that you are a character that that's not you you're you're portraying a role and you are doing it so well that not for a second do you think oh that's Francis McDormand you're yeah. you're totally invested in the character and doing that whilst a bunch of people are sort yes. of in front of you sort of not smiling just holding a camera at you or holding a boom mic over you or or shouting instructions at you and then sort of to do it on command repeating it multiple times for different angles for different re- that's insane it's so it is. oh man yeah I'm 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 always impressed by I'm I'm impressed by anyone that just yeah. that functions as a human to be honest because things are always more <laughs> complex and difficult as they seem so yeah definitely I definitely don't think acting or any of those things are an easy uh, <laughs> easy career choice are they oh, No I mean of course it's like you get you get give it perspective and you compare it to sort of real laborious work then yeah. you know a lot of people would be like not at all which of course yeah. is totally valid and true but at the same time it doesn't mean it's easy uh sure the perks and the life sound very nice when you're when you're a successful actor but um I'm, I'm sure the struggle coming up like anyone being in a band or anything like that is yeah. you know you play to no one you get rejected you are rejected for a huge part of your career and, and should you be one of the fortunate ones to make it that's when things start looking up but yeah it's 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 mad isn't Hard. it hard work you have to get used to uh yeah rejection <laughs> I think yeah definitely you? yeah it sounds awful doesn't it it sounds yeah, well... <laughs> so terrifying <laughs> it does. I definitely don't think I've got the character for that kind of thing at all no I mean rejection, I'd, be... I'd be like yeah <laughs> crying okay bye sorry yeah I would crumble instantly <laughs> I would never I would never be very good at that so I've I've kind of been aware of your work since I first got into the design industry, which is many moons ago. We'll gloss over how long ago that actually was, because uh, it makes me feel quite old. Um, but and I've kind of really enjoyed seeing um, like the exciting projects that you've created over the years. But doing research for the show, I've kind of become aware of the breadth of the amount of work that you've done. And I, the word polymath kept coming into coming to mind when I was thinking about it um do you feel have you been described that before do you feel that's a fair description <laughs> I've been described as many things <laughs> normally idiot 
No, babe. <laughs> um, well, first of all, that's really, really kind of you to say so. And um, I also feel like I, I do many things, but I don't do many things well, <laughs> which is one of the things. But I love, like, I love trying my hand at lots and lots and lots of different things. But actually, I'm obsessed with the term polymath. I, yeah. I sort of, one of the uh, talk I used to give a few years ago, um, as we were saying before we start recording, I like to sort of try and um, create a new talk every year or so. Mm. Um, and this was a, uh, an old one of a few years back. But it was a focus on, on, on polymath because it kind of feels like that was a, a mm. term um, used a long time ago, really. Yeah. It's, you know, like da Vinci is, is yeah, one of the archetypal absolutely. polymaths of, uh, of, of everything that he did. But I'm just fascinated by it. I, I love it. I kind of love I love the um, how unique and weird it makes each person that they try their hands at lots of different things and then they, you know, they somehow sort of thread them all together. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'd love to. I wouldn't ever dare call myself one for, for, for <laughs> delusions of grandeur, but I'd love to. I'd love to be one. Yeah, I really, I'm sort of really I, fascinated on that. I think I think the term could be used for you looking at um, kind of different things that you've done. But if there's any listeners who haven't come across your work or don't know much about you, can you give like a little potted history of how you got into the being in the creative industry and also kind of eventually ended up, you know, being director and designer at Ardman? Sure thing. Well, I would try and keep it... um try and keep it short so hello listener um my name is Gavin Strange you will have no clue who I am and god bless you for it because you'll have to listen to this nasally twang um now you've let me into your, your brain tank um so I am yeah director and designer at Ardman Animations and, and passion project pursuer under the name Jam Factory um and but basically I sort of started started my career when I was uh, 17 just turning 18 I mm-hmm. got my first job as a junior graphic designer in Mm -hmm. uh, a job agency in Leicester in the Midlands where I'm originally from and I went there because I didn't go to university it was just something that didn't appeal to me at the time and Mm -hmm. I just didn't really think it was for me there was no grand decision surrounding that really I'd love to tell you it was a concerted considered effort (laughs) and and, and, you know a real um, uh, I gave it a lot of thought but no I didn't really I didn't yeah. do anything back then um I just kind of knew I didn't want to do that and so maybe I should do something else and so so I'd, I'd done two years uh, uh, doing a BTEC BTEC National Diploma in Graphic Design in Leicester at Leicester College and um yeah so I, I decided to try and find some employment and basically got lucky to land a spot after two weeks work experience at a local agency, wow. um, I got the chance to to join as their junior designer, proper sort of wet behind the ears, knew absolutely nothing, knew nothing of the of the, the commercial world apart from the two weeks that I'd had. And I really enjoyed it. I was just so mm. sort of thrilled to, to, to see yeah. what it was and, and what it could be. And I was a huge fan of design. And I, I even back then at college, actually, fully enough, even back at college, I spent most of my time with my best friend Johnny uh, writing terrible terrible film scripts because we actually <laughs> wanted to be film directors rather than designers <laughs> which is fully enough that 20 years later it's it sort of happened um but yeah that just meant that back then we would basically spend all of our time in the computer room downloading quick time movie trailers mm. from the internet um and just obsessing over over sort of film but that what that meant for for me is sort of I, I love film because it was a sum total of everything you know you mm. could dissect the branding of the of the film name you could you mm. could dissect the design of the poster or the variants of the posters mm. around the world and then you know you'd look at the editing style the cinematography the photography because I was really into photography so 
I was just sort of interested in, in all those things. And then when I got this job as a junior, um, really, really, really early on, they said, look, do you want to teach us, uh, do you want us to um, teach you to be a junior graphic designer? Or there's this new thing called the internet. Would you like to be mm. a junior web designer? I thought, oh, that sounds new and interesting. I'll go for that one, please. <laughs> um, and so I sort of transitioned a bit. I, I just basically sat in a different room with a with a different um, person who was the head of new media, which was his name, um, is his title. Wow. And um, and basically, I sort of learned my way around the web and, and learned to be a, a, a web designer, sort of both designing the sites and then sort of building them in HTML and tables in things like Dreamweaver. Mm. Um, back in then back in the day but it was there that my boss basically encouraged me to sort of find my voice more really he's his thinking was look you're learning loads you're brand new at this you're learning so much stuff you kind of need to keep practicing and keep learning so mm. and the fact that I'm teaching you how to build for the internet you know I think you need your own website for you to sort of practice on that essentially have a playground and I thought yeah yeah that sounds amazing he sounds like a great boss <laughs> he was good he was so um in- instrumental in my career and I mean it was an absolute nightmare he sort of I believed everything and anything he would tell me. He told me they shut the internet once a year for cleaning, and I believed him. Oh. I actually downloaded all of my files because I was really scared the big spring clean would delete everything oh I did. Um, I was just so naive. I literally would believe anything at all. Um, oh. But but it was him that sort of says, yeah, you, you know, you should have your own place, your own portfolio, your own, you know, space. Mm. And so I, I did, and, and that's where Jam Factory came from. I, I desperately wanted a cool name. I was really into <laughs> the alter egos of One Two Three Clan and Designers mm. Republic and uh websites like K10K, yeah. um basically just alter egos. I was really into yeah. rap as well and, and I like sort of the the, the the mystical fantasy of hiding behind a name. Um, and I thought I want a cool name too. And yeah. I couldn't think of a cool name, so I just randomly picked Jam Factory and yeah. <laughs> stuck and with still, it. Still going strong today. Still going, yeah. I've still got the same URL. Oh, it's, it's Jam Dash Factory, though. I can never flipping get Jam Factory or one <laughs> bloody word. Um, no one will send me the name. It's so annoying. Um, anyways, that's a side uh, side note. Um, yeah, and uh, basically that sort of set the set the sort of wheels in motion for what my career still is today to be honest it was working a day job that I really enjoyed but I was so sort of thrilled and excited and intrigued by what I was learning during the day I would then go home at night and using my online portfolio platform sort of rebuild my website and fill it with the things people weren't asking me to do because I was interested in photography illustration and toys um, characters Mm -hmm. film I would put all of that stuff just that I was mucking around on in the evenings on a, a really rubbish computer onto my website and, and basically sort of build a build a portfolio of it. Um, and then sort of fast forward four years, I decided to leave that place and, and thought I'd, I'd go freelance um, with nothing more than the seed of an idea planted in my head by a buddy of mine who ran a skate shop. Um, who owned a skate store in Leicester and said look you know I see you do all this stuff in your own time how about you you know you should probably just go and work yourself you know it says how about I give you three days of work uh, days of days a week work here and then the other two you can spend on your own stuff if you want mm-hmm. I went, okay that sounds nice yeah. um, <laughs> sounds uh, like with no regard to 
budgets or, or or money or finance or anything and so I, I I did that I left and became freelance but worked above this skate store called Casino in Leicester um three days a week and then sort of would continue doing my own things um in my own time and then in the two days other two days I would do other client work and things like that and then fast forward another four years um I then decided to move to Bristol and that happened because I'd never lived anywhere else not going to yeah. university and I just felt it was really important for me to get out and be somewhere yeah. different and and all of that um so again with no real plan or regard for anything I sort of went I will go to Bristol and I moved was to- Bristol a conscious choice just because it's sort of got a really rich history in like film and art and and stuff yeah, I mean, I don't think it was it was it was definitely like this city is cool because of that. Yeah, you know, I really liked um, Massive Attack and Ronnie Size and Portishead, yeah. and you know, I loved the music and and I loved sort of the the culture of it. And I'd um, I met there was an artist I adore called Mr. Jago who I ended up making um, his website for him in exchange for painting. And oh, I wow. came to um, meet him just to have a chat about it because he lived in Bristol, and I just fell in love with the city. I yeah. thought this place is amazing I want to be in a space like this and um at that at that time um, my girlfriend at the time she was moving to Bristol for university so I thought great if you're going I'll know one person actually I'll know two people she who's going and my friend Duncan Jago the artist guy I met I'll go then um yeah and that was my move to Bristol and then I was doing more and more more and more work um for myself continuing to 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 use jam factory as a platform and putting all sorts of stuff on there what whatever it was anything i was excited on and then um a few years later i get an email one day that says hello from Ardman," and um it was an email from danny fagan who has just joined the uh interactive arm of Ardman, and uh, they were looking for a, a designer to work with and wow. shall i pop in for a cup of tea and i popped in for a cup of tea and that was 12 years ago Oh my goodness, that is amazing. So they reached out to you. Wow, that is... Yeah, wow. I was so lucky. So, And actually, the best thing, Dan found that original email a couple of Aww. weeks ago. He, 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 for some reason, keeps all of his emails. I don't, I delete everything. Um, he, he kept it and he forwarded it to me. And it was, oh, it was just so sweet to see because that changed my whole life. You know, yeah. I adore Odd Man. And that was a big part of wanting to move to Bristol. I knew that they were there just to be in the same creative space was, it was a thrill. Yeah. And um, yeah, they were basically, it was a t- tiny, tiny team. They had just begun. They were only like six months old as a department and mm. the company was still sort of figuring out exactly what the internet was and how that could be used, you know, mm. cause this was 12 years ago. Um, and um, there was a small team there building websites and building flash games for mm. their properties like Wallace and Gromit and Sean the Sheep. Yeah. And they needed, a designer for a six month project for channel four, which I joined as. And then that six months finished. And then Dan, again, just kind of casual. We went for a cup of tea and he says, I don't know. I don't suppose we could convince you to stay and be our senior designer. What do you think? And I went, sounds flipping amazing, mate. Let's do it. You know, that's lovely. Dan is is one of my closest friends now. and, And I'm so grateful to him. He's a really special human being. And and um, it's lovely sort of watching both of our careers grow, actually. I'm yeah. a big fan of his as well as, you know, a real close friend. So yeah. it's, it's lovely that he gave me that opportunity. I'm very, very grateful for that. So it's nice. It's nice just sort of seeing what can happen when I guess you just sort of you put your head down to want to make good stuff. That's all I ever want to do. I just want to make good stuff. I really do. Yeah. So really, like, you, that job at Ardman arrived from you 
constantly working on your passion projects and just putting work out there over and over again kind of thing yeah I think so I mean I think the thing I think what Dan was looking for was at the time it was a it was a digital designer it was a web designer yeah but um the fact that on my website I had characters and designs and illustration um they needed more of that because the 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 it was sort of graph it was digital design but also they needed iconography Mm, possibly a bit of animation it was like a real sort of lo-fi sort of thing this this um it was like a a filmmaking platform for channel four Mm. and it needed almost like a gorilla sort of edge to it um so yeah we made like these weird little promo films together and just sort of made stuff happen and hopefully i think that's what he was looking for and and i just basically used all the platforms all the time to basically get my work out there Mm. really from a point of view i couldn't quite believe that i could make this stuff really Mm. coming from you know not going to university and and previously in school Mm. i was i was never um uh, never academically um uh, doing super well i really love stuff but i just wasn't very academic i just thought well if you're not academic you're not going to go far um you know because that's kind of what um uh, um, careers sort of teachers uh, instilling you isn't it but actually it was lovely it was this awakening when I first went to college of oh no it's not about that it's about how much Mm. energy and time and passion you're willing to devote to something and and you know sort of learning that at 17 18 just meant I just wanted to try and try and learn and get better and continue and I, I feel exactly the same now you know that's exactly what I want to do I need to learn and get better and improve and and diversify and you know sort of see where things can take you really I think that's one of the most wonderful things about um, our industry really is that you you really don't need to go to uni you don't need to have that kind of um, academic background at all you can it can really play to different strengths and um, you can const you need to be learning all the time because it goes so quickly doesn't it things evolve so quickly so I think it's such a great opportunity for people who you know maybe wouldn't enjoy university or it doesn't feel right for them for whatever reason I just think we're so lucky to be in that kind of industry oh definitely yeah we are lucky is really the right word it's it's we are incredibly fortunate that actually it's not the be all and end all because at the end of the day obviously a creative career it's it's what have you made you know you know your sort of portfolio in whatever format is 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 your cv really it's not about what's on a what's on a sheet but saying that you know university and academia is right for some people and that's absolutely yeah. great you know and that is where people flourish and that's where people feel like they want to get that grounding that's amazing yeah. it's also just nice to know that that isn't the only route same as you know me just not doing that isn't the only route it can yeah. be a mix of something it can be a mix of of open university in the evenings or it can be a mix of a you know working in the day and doing some courses at night yeah. or doing online courses you know just things like domestica or you know masterclass.com you know there's all these different ways to learn so especially in the creative career I think it's about sort of having the confidence to go well actually no I'm going to sort of forge my own path of learning um and that and that's great. That's 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 grand. That's that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we're very lucky. And and you're you're still a, a prolific passion project creator now, even though you're you you're designer and director at Ardman. And um, what are what are some recent projects that you've been working on your sort of personal projects? Oh well, thanks. That's very kind of you to say. Um, oh, I'm actually I'm so I'm sitting in my my den. I'm actually working from home today, and um, I put up these index cards. These colourful index cards on my shelf so I can kind of always see what um what I'm 
doing and what I'm going to do is little passion projects. Oh. So at the minute I'm writing a new talk. So that's keeping me really busy, sort of writing a brand new talk, brand new content. And um, that's giving me an existential crisis all the time because writing talks is really hard. <laughs> um, I am doing a lot. I'm really learning, getting into learning a thing called Notch, which is kind of like cinema 4d but it's all real time and what i'm really enjoying about that is i've really also got into music production and i've got a, a few pieces of hardware that i really enjoy just making beats and sort of musical nonsense mm-hmm. and i'm really enjoying partnering plugging those in to things like notch and having real time audio reactive um visualizations basically that's wow. a big part of yeah. what i like doing at, at night um I've then got sort of a little side project of um I'm sort of doing a little mini collaboration with Teenage Engineering which is a a amazing um musical hardware company and they have an amazing thing called an OPZ it's this tiny little um audio sequencer synthesizer but Mm. also it connects into unity the game slash 3d engine and i've sort of built this prototype of a virtual band that's all reacting to the music that i'm making in real time but also can be affected by a gravity and physics and sort of in a in world game engine so i'm trying to sort of do that as a bit of a side project um got a little collaboration with a local skate park here in Bristol called Campus Pool that I adore I'm doing a little gonna do a sort of little um skateboard slash sort of clothing branding um little collaboration thing um project toy is another alter ego of mine that's my music uh, my music stuff and um I've sort of branded that and given that an identity just because it's fun to make up brands and make up names and I've decided that I want to make some cassette tapes of my music and I don't expect anyone to want one or need one but I (laughs) want to make one yeah (laughs) because I want to do the sleeve design I want to pick the 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 Pantone color of the cassette you know so a lot of this stuff is just it is so silly and it has no bearing on anything and that's why I love it and actually I found the bigger the project at Ardman the sort of smaller scrappier stuff I do at home because I just want I just want creative satisfaction quickly I like I like just sort of working on something for a couple of nights or or one night you know I, I quite like that really quick feedback I'd love to be able to sort of you know disappear for a year and um you know make this epic passion project that's beautiful but um I just don't think that's me. I get pulled in too many different directions in my brain. Um, so I just try and just go with it, you know, just sort of go with the flow and go, okay, you know. And and literally I've got where I sit, I've got my Mac and I've got a few screens. Then next to it, I've got a PC that I use for Cinema 4D and Notch. And sometimes in an evening, I will literally sit on the Mac and be, I don't know, in Illustrator and then go, oh, yeah, but I quite fancy just having a little dabble in Notch. And I'll just move chairs and then just get in Notch and then go, Okay, done that. Maybe while I'm 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 switching switching to Cinema 4D and doing a render, maybe I'll just jump back to the Mac and have a look at some typography. Yeah. I like it. It's kind of chaotic, but you know that's that's the beauty of passion project stuff. You there is no rules really. And don't yeah. get me wrong, I would love to be more concise and and um, uh, prolific in terms of putting out great work. But you know, I've just I've maybe got to make do with the fact that it's it's all a bit scrappy and it's all a bit all over the shop. But I think maybe if you limited yourself, that would maybe quell your 
creativity possibly if you started putting like little rules and stuff in place and stuff like that maybe yeah. you're kind of free free reign that you kind of give yourself it's really interesting actually that you mentioned that it's 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 very um this morning I was listening to uh, just a TED talk like a podcast and it was one by a guy called Tim Harford um he was just talking about something called slow motion multitasking and he basically <laughs> described what you're describing really which is sort of um having he's people like Einstein did it and, and also Darwin as well so I'm just going to compare you to Einstein and Darwin um <laughs> they had a lot of different um passion projects on the go that they jumped in and out of all the time frequently particularly Darwin and another person who did it is Michael Crichton who made the um Jurassic Park films and yeah. um stuff. he was actually a doctor he was actually qualified as a doctor but he also wrote and made films and did other things as well and so um he was just talking about um this idea of having you know just a lot of different projects on the go and like you say you've got like um cards and stuff with them on he was talking about um, a, a lady I can't remember her name but she has like boxes so she'd have like boxes with the label on for that particular passion project she just throws stuff in there when she's thinking about it and she'd pull it out have a look when she was doing a little bit of work on it and he said that like he's he's found that people who do that kind of work are so much more creative and prolific and and um we can all learn to do that if we you know stop giving ourselves kind of like really hard and fast rules around stuff and just are happy to have lots of different things going on because your brain then when you jump into something else often solves a problem on the other thing I don't know if you've found that you know like when you suddenly yeah, go and if you have a power and like suddenly a conclusion to something comes to you and it's that same kind of principle it's like you go and work on something else and then the answer to something else kind of works itself out so yeah it's yeah, amazing that you about that. yeah I, I, I really like it I mean I suppose the danger there is that actually if you do too many things you'll never finish any of them that is that is a that can be quite tricky so you sort of have to make either make a concerted effort to finish it or be comfortable in that it will take you a very 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 long time yeah. like one of the one of my index cards here is a just says dance loop and that's just something I'm noodling on in my lunch times mm. at work where I'm just I just I I, I love um sort of street dance and um I, I watch quite a lot of videos of just different crews and different dancers because I'm sort of fascinated with movement mm. and I just want to I'm just sort of every time a beat changes in this particular clip I've got I'm sort of um digitally painting over it or mm. or animating over the top of it just for fun, I don't really have a plan, and and it's yeah. taken ages because I on a, on a almond lunchtime I try and just sort of fit in like a little bit of a passion project, but I've got distracted because I'm sort of learning to use this great new sort of game slash tool on the PlayStation Four called Dreams, which is just bonkers powerful. Mm. It's it's you make games, you make art, you make music. Um, so now I'm sort of like ah, actually no, Dreams is new. Mm. I'm going to get stuck on that, but yeah. it does mean that things like my dance thing. Uh, has to take a bit of a back seat because I figure I'm not going to do that in the evenings because in the evenings in the den I do have the things I do need to get on with like doing the talk mm. so I, I try and sort of mentally compartmentalize the order of um, urgency of things and at the minute I've, I'm doing this new talk in two weeks so that has to be done you know yeah. um, maybe after that I can be a bit more flexible and jump between things of an evening but um, but yeah you know I do I do like jumping and definitely I found in directing I think it prepared me so much more because 
there's always something different you'll need to um review or or some animation one bit and then three minutes later actually you'll need to uh, make a decision on mm-hmm. writing some lines in a script but then actually need to write a brief for a musician you know actually yeah, yeah being able to jump around and spin plates with lots of different types of you know different mediums and different mm-hmm. sort of types of problem has really really helped actually so mm-hmm. I'm really proud that, that that has kind of paid off and again that wasn't a plan but I'm really glad yeah. that that is sort of fallen like that yeah it's really interesting isn't it how the creative brain works and how we can kind of get the most out of it really um yeah I, I recommend that TED talk by the way it's mm. half, I think it's about 17 minutes long and it was yeah really interesting um so with your passion projects that you've got on the go how often do you need to kind of create logos or brand identities or branding for those is that are those kind of the projects that you need to do that for regularly yeah I mean not not sort of I probably wouldn't say regular, but I would say often. Um, And that's mainly because I love doing branding. I love, I just love good old graphic design. I think because that Mm. is where I started. Like I still love good old graphic design and iconography and and sort of, you know, typography and making those decisions. So actually I love doing that in film as well. So even things like end cards or or titles, you know, sometimes a producer will be like, oh, so-and-so can can do that in the team. No, 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 I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. No, I know I'm really busy, but I, I want to do it. I really want to do it. <laughs> I've got um, ideas. And, and yeah, it's just, I just love, I find it really, um, not relaxing, um, really special when you, it doesn't feel right. But um, yeah, I like doing it a lot. So so even just, again, looking at my board here, um, my project toy stuff, like I said, the music, I really mm. enjoyed sort of building um, the branding for that. Yeah. And actually another thing on a board here is I'm going to rebrand um my wife's jewelry business and give it a bit of a brand refresh um so actually it does it I do do it kind of a a fair a fair amount to be honest and sort of what point does that does the point where you do that vary in the project do you do you sometimes have that right at the beginning and think I kind of want to create the brand around this idea or do you like um have have the kind of finished product and go oh shit I need to like create a logo for it now (laughs) It's sort of somewhere in the middle and it changes all the time. But I've sort of found that I might just start noodling on, especially something that is just pure passion project. And I just sort of start going down the rabbit hole and I think, oh, I really like this. Oh, I wonder what else Mm. I could apply it to. It sort of naturally snowballs and then always, and actually it's become a bit of a running joke with Dan at work. So, oh God, you've got to give it, you've got to give it a branding. And he says, you've even branded your son. So when my, (laughs) um, my boy, who's three, um he went when he first went to nursery they tell you that that you need to just make some um stickers to write their names on so you know you put it on their wellies and you put it in the back of their jumpers I was like I'm not just having a handwritten label I'm not having that so I I designed him and rendered him this full uh 3d um epic looking name because his full name is Sullivan Strange and um and and I sort of made strange out of this like embossed gold lettering and then Sullivan was made in this almost like it was meant to sort of look like this sort of twisted glass that was all refracting light internally with gold flecks coming through it and I basically made this really over ambitious completely ridiculous um set of um of branding for for my boy um but he loves it he knows it's his you know you can't miss it because it's black and pink and gold um so so yeah basically I I'd like to use any excuse to sort of just just I love branding because it just helps something sit together Mm. and yeah even for me in 
in pitches actually a lot of treatment so when you're pitching to direct something especially maybe a, a commercial or a collaborative thing you know you'll create a treatment and even you know I like that first page I like mm. it even the type you know even just a piece of logo type just mm. something that hopefully just 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 sells the idea of professionalism Absolutely. to someone looking so I, I love it I love that that side I, of it I don't, hopefully it, that will never go away it brings it all together doesn't it it kind of adds yeah. a cohesion thing I was um I had a client who um was going in front of investors the other other day and she I couldn't persuade her that um she we ended up not working together but um I couldn't persuade her that um just getting her pitch deck looking amazing would like you know properly branded with the kind of brand frame fit would make such a difference to the success or failure of her kind of getting the investment that she needs she just couldn't see that and it was so frustrating because I was like it'll just bring it all together it'll make it clear in your mind as you're talking like it'll make such a difference but you know some people don't don't get it but yeah I totally get what you mean is um it is just uh it just brings it all together and also my daughter would highly relate to what you just said then because she'll be like mum can you just give me a little bit of hand with this and I'll be like right sit down I'm just gonna <laughs> rebrand this for you this uh document you know she's like oh god mum no just I don't think she asks me anymore for that reason actually she's like oh god mum mum sent it wanted- into a project yeah like three days later she's like have you got that that thing it was only supposed to take 10 minutes I was like hang on <laughs> yeah i've just got to do the brand unveil bear with me yeah yeah definitely yeah poor poor child Uh, (laughs) um i think like um a lot of designers really struggle with that like um like branding their own projects though i i definitely have done and um i know that you know we we often struggle with branding ourselves or doing our own websites and stuff um do you think that's down to perfectionism or just kind of worrying about getting it right for ourselves and obviously that's not probably not something that you struggle with by the sounds of it but but how do you do you ever get that kind of oh oh I'm a bit stuck on this one how do you how do you overcome it when you get oh god all the time yeah yeah I get massively stuck on all of it oh I just have regular regular freak outs about (laughs) just everything that you know um and just again writing writing this talk at the minute just just you know and I really like my talks to hopefully be positive and hopefully to be useful if they could help people you know just just not be too hard on themselves and to you know see the see the goodness in themselves and 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 to you know to power through those difficult times where you doubt yourself and then writing the talk I'm like yeah but what do I know I don't know anything (laughs) Nothing I've ever made is any ever good. Why am I talking about this? I probably shouldn't even write a talk. Who cares? And I'm just having this existential yeah. crisis. So, yeah. but I think it also it's just recognizing those patterns that you always will. You'll hate what you've made, and you'll think, mm. God, I can't do it. Is this right? And I think it's just sort of embracing that and go, Well, mm. um, you know, I've got to go through this process to come out the other side, and to know it will be okay. But it's really hard because there is no mm. one thing that you can do to solve it, is there? You just have to you just have to sort of power through and especially Mm. doing your own stuff if you're branding yourself or Mm, something very close to you because you kind of feel like you can do anything what what do you do you know with Mm, the with the with a client breathing down your neck or or at least with some you know imposed hard and fast rules Mm. you know of of, of budget or deadline or or whatever it Mm. is um yeah it's easy to it's easy to to spiral on I think you just have to I think you just have to be yeah, I think you have to stop stop being your own worst critic and just get it out there. And I just always just figure if I sort of, especially if it's if it's if I'm just making something fun. It's like if I like it at the time, cool, move on. 
we're good mm. you know don't worry about trying to make it perfect don't make it perfect mm. make it now which is what, what something my boss once told me and I've never forgotten um so uh, yeah so just it's like get on with it I'm such a pixel pusher like I'll just oh I can't step away I'm like oh god like, I'm not you know with client work I'm confident with with stuff at the end but with my own stuff I'm like four days later I'm still yeah. moving that one pixel around and it's it's so weird like just yeah I think you're right just get it out there just because no one cares like particularly do they're not going to notice that one thing no they won't no they absolutely <laughs> won't and and uh, you know you and it's not like by you giving up that pixel that actually it, it all falls apart and it's a yeah. mess you know Perfect. actually it's got a ton of detail in there already because that's you that's how you've gotten to that point um because you you have done the work but yeah it's just it's just letting go it's it's, it's you inside your own brain it's mm. so it's always going to be difficult and and you're always going to be fighting yourself so yeah it's just sort of learning to to give it up and realizing that life goes on and and actually i think once you leave it alone you can then move on to something new and different that's great you know that's exciting yeah definitely there's a freedom in that isn't there and kind of yeah letting go of letting go of the ego and kind of yeah um so what does this is a big question I'm sure it's going to have a multifaceted answer what does your creative process look like which I'm sure is a very very different I guess for all the different things you work on or or do you have a kind of set way that you start projects off no I think you're right I think it's a bit different for everything really um for excuse me for for graphic design, it's, it, you know, graphic design or typography or illustration or, or anything in that sort of sector, you know, always begins with some doodles, some sketches. But I really love a mood board. I love just mm. finding reference. And mm. and it's often not not specific. It's tone. It's it's mm. colour and it's light. And it's, it's, yeah, it's the mood that it evokes. So I yeah. really like doing that both for myself and also always just to share with a client or with a colleague or whatever it is. Is that um, a physical and then it, thing you create or is that o- online? or? Um, it's normally yeah. online. It's just a yeah. big old sort of like 4K Photoshop yeah. document where I just drag in nice high-res images in mm. Google and just, you know, just find stuff or scan stuff or, yeah. or reference books and all of that. Um, and then often if I'll sort of then just move into sort of digital, really, quite often, you know, straight into Illustrator or Photoshop um, and just start doing stuff. I like massive art boards where I start with one and then duplicate it and delete it and tweak it and clone it and, and just start sort of having a whole path that you can sort of trace where things are, are going, really. Um, and that that sort of that applies to sort of the graphic design stuff, whereas things like music. So when I'm in my own time making stuff, I just start by pushing buttons and making sounds. And that's what I love about that process. Mm. It's really loosened me up mm. because there is no right or wrong. You you know it when you hear it. And actually, I'll you know, I'll just be playing with different synth engines or or drum patterns or and just sort of and just pushing them okay yeah mm. no and then and then like just letting it naturally fall out and build and then actually you know I'll then find it I'll think it's going in one direction then I'll make a certain sound that is complementary to what I've already done but it mm. makes it darker or lighter or weirder and I'm like oh, oh here we go yeah. you know and that's lovely that's really nice following that so I've really tried to sort of make more space for that in the rest of my creative process actually and just sort of feel your way through it and let yourself get weird and do mm. stuff that you don't expect and, and and sort of 
free it up really there's a real fearlessness though in that that i mean that really takes some doom where where does that come from ah that's called naivety i think. okay <laughs> that, that is called especially with music because it's a passion project i don't mm. know what i'm doing and i don't okay. know if it's right or wrong yeah but i've also discovered that is music that is creativity yeah. there is no right and wrong there's no rules there's no police there's no way that you can set a typeface together who cares you might be doing it the long way but that's not the wrong way mm. it just takes longer so actually that's that's what i've tried to apply that actually there are no rules it's not it's not like the laws of nature it's not gravity it's not physics you know it's not you can you simply cannot do it this way absolutely not Mm. be weird do it wrong do it backwards mm-hmm. you know do it upside down and and that's what I've, I'm trying to sort of loosen myself up in in sort of the traditional creative way by sort of mm-hmm. actually paying more attention to music and the creation of of, of mm. nothing visual you know actually it's all on 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 how you feel and, and and how you sense that stuff um and sort of letting myself get through you know that way um but then when if I'm sort of then um creating a treatment or pitching to to direct or, or at least starting to direct that is a bit more of a different process because mm. maybe you're sort of that's more writing that might be writing a script or working with a script writer or or trying to you know um cutting a mood reel so much like a mood um set of mood images I love cutting a mood reel and I'm really glad I do it it takes a bit of time yeah. but I've done it for every job I've directed and it's always been invaluable so what does that entail I don't know sorry I don't know that much about those things. what does that actually entail I mean it's the same it's the same as the job that you know set of mood images do yeah. really it's 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 more tone and it's 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 sometimes editing style or mm. sometimes it's oh, the shots yeah or it's similar pieces of work in an aesthetic oh, style. Yeah. Um, but actually, um, I cut I cut a really um, sort of powerful mood reel for this um, for this film I just finished mm. um, at Man working yeah. for Greenpeace, and and the the mood reel was really quite intense because basically the film the the Greenpeace film um, starts light and ends heavy, mm-hmm. and I wanted to reflect that in the mood reel. That's what I needed the mood reel to get across that we would start with warmth and charm and comedy mm. and, and a natural feel of a family and then mm. things would get heavy as it went on and yeah. the mood reel did that with the music and that's sort of because I love music as well I was sort of love curating it so yeah. editing all of that that together yeah. um and and actually sort of talking um to our head client at Greenpeace they they wrote an article for the drum marketing magazine and uh, they sort of said that um it it was the mood reel that I'd cut that really sort of helped oh, wow. um solidify the idea for them it just it uh, you know and so uh, reading that was like oh fantastic you know I'm, I'm always happy I've done it anyway because even for me it's a touchstone mm. um, but hearing that a client had sort of connected with it as yeah. well um, was ace so it's Absolutely. definitely cemented the fact anytime I'm doing pretty much anything then so whether it is moving image it'll be um, a mood real and you know if it's if it's if it's anything else mood images um so that's a yeah that is a really big part mm-hmm. of my process and then just and then that's a hard bit isn't it then you just got to get on and make it <laughs> and feel your way through it it comes to the point where you just have to get on with it isn't it I've, I've learned that a lot as I've got older like inspiration doesn't always strike sometimes you just have to get on with it and then sometimes yeah. inspiration will then strike but um yeah, yeah just that kind of forcing yourself to do sometimes something you've got to do that sometimes you've got to do that I think to... and that's really hard as well isn't it because you, yeah because especially in the commercial world it's like well look I can't just keep farting around yeah. for three days you know <laughs> yeah. this thing's got to get got to get on you know people are yeah. waiting on me or, or whatever yeah you just 
and that is that is scary because you're like I'm not entirely sure what this thing is yet but you know I think that's about trying to have confidence in yourself and go well it'll come don't worry you know you're a professional you've done it before um, and even if you haven't done it before it will happen trust Mm. the process you'll be okay you've got to you've got to find it you've got to you know the idea's got to find its audience um and and that sometimes that comes very quickly but sometimes that that comes very late so just yeah. got to keep on keep pushing so what do you do um when a project doesn't feel like it's working do you have like you know we've all had projects like that i think where you're like this just is not working out how it needs to like do you go back to the drawing board do you push through what, what, what do you do in that kind of scenario or does that not happen very often no it does I mean do you mean for a commercial project at Ardman or for a passion project just, just for any of your projects like I guess I guess with Ardman it's probably different because there will be multiple people involved I guess but um yeah for any like for your passion projects that say what do you do then are you like do you ditch it or do you just go well I'm gonna try something different or I think for for definitely for Armin, yeah. There's often if you're working in a team, you know, there's too many good people there to sort of yeah. to 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 go to to go on in a wrong direction, and you're cons- yeah. you know constantly in a feedback loop with yourself and with others to to yeah. to refine the idea. So it's always you're always scrutinising it. So actually, you know, unless it's a bit of then you show the client or you show whoever's for, and then you've you've gone wrong. You know, it's 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 all you're always you're always adjusting. So that's that's okay. Um, and even then, sometimes you do you do need to take a step back. And sometimes I, you know, work in a team of just one or two or three. Um, um, and then sometimes it's, you know, like the Greenpeace thing was 70. So it, it's mm. it, it does scale. But then in my own time, I'm just kind of quite forgiving. And I think if I'm not feeling it and it's a bit rubbish, I just bid it. I yeah. think there's there's no there's no use trying to will something to life. And sometimes if I still feel like there is a there's a seed of something good in there. I'll just try and reframe it and I'll leave it alone for a bit and come back to it and maybe try, a, I don't know, a new style or a mm. new format or whatever it may be. Um, but sometimes I'm just happy to, you know, go, oh, okay, well, that, that I tried, you know, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, again, I just, I wouldn't want it to sort of pile up and basically stop me doing something. I kind of go, okay, well, drop that and move on to mm. something else. So that's why it's quite nice to have a big board of, kind of ideas that yeah. actually okay well jump onto something else and then like you say that then might actually give you a new way of thinking to yeah. reapply to the thing that didn't work before yeah I think I think that's right like I've had projects like that that I maybe started like four or five years ago and for whatever reason I've gone away from it and just left it and thought no I'm done with that and then you know maybe a year or two later you go actually no I think I might have another go at that and that's gonna work different because you might have learned something new or yeah 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 exactly yeah you're always you know getting older and getting better ideas and getting a better of idea a better understanding of who you are as an individual I think that's massive really just sort of yeah really sort of understanding how you tick is a is a big big part of the creative process and and, and I think it's a lifetime pursuit um to actually just surprising yourself with oh okay and, and even being able to make decisions quicker actually I think that that yeah. also comes with even confidence as you do something over and over so I I find your work really moving like I've, I've oh, definitely had a, I've had a tear in my eye more than once like obviously with the recent Greenpeace video that was really emotional and I was like oh my god I've you know sobbing at my desk um and then um also I loved the Mayor Angelou piece that you did them for for Radio 4 as well it was 
gorgeous and just so powerful like it really got my heart racing as I was watching it and stuff and I just feel like you have such a deep connection to your subject matter how do you how do you get that connection like do you spend a lot of time researching and going deep into into the process is that with things like mood reels and stuff like that oh thank you so much honestly that is probably the kindest thing someone's ever said about my work that's so (laughs) nice it's actually made me quite quite emotional that's really nice because I I never I never no that's really nice I think that and I think this is it the crux of it is I'm a right soppy sod and I always (laughs) have been and I've always been an emotional I was an emotional kid I'm quite sensitive to to uh, my own emotions and other people's emotions as in you know I'm quite easily you know if someone's upset I'm upset if if they're you know if they're crossed I'm cross you know I, I kind of I've I've always been like that and yeah. my mum is um and I think I get it from my mum and my brother is um so I guess and actually you know what's really lovely is is in recent years then so starting with the Maya Angelou piece which is actually my sort of directorial debut at Arvin oh, and it was a dream project um I've been so fortunate to get these jobs that re- that require um telling an emotional story and I think I think I'm just I I I would love to have a career of making stuff that emotionally connects with people and often when I'm sort of freaking out about what I do and, and my work and you, and you know you have the inevitable freak out of god nothing I've ever made is any good what am I doing who am I you know I often think oh my all my work is just pink and silly you know because <laughs> I use the color pink a lot um nothing but actually that. that's so kind of you to to say to say that because actually that is what I would love I would love to make an impact on people I think I that's a good thing maybe even going back to you know what we we're talking about at the start about loving sort of the BAFTAs and the Oscars and that's a reflection of people making work that's connected with other yeah. human beings and I want to do that too you know I really really do and so so to open with the Maya Angelou film which was which was basic and, and Radio 4's brief was we want to make a powerful impactful film because mm. she was a powerful impactful character who was who was bright and loud and 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 was was everything and that's why that film has got all the colors all the sounds mm. all the energy because I wanted it to reflect her sort yeah. of life force um as I read as I watched it I thought she'd love this I really did I thought because I'd read Aww. um like I, I'd read her first two books when I saw it and like she's someone that obviously a lot of people have a really strong feelings towards very passionate towards she's you know such an astonishing person and very an important person for women as as well as you know for, for yeah. black people as well like she has such a you know incredible life story and as I watched it as I say my heart beat faster I was like this is so exciting I just thought she she'd absolutely love this this is so right so yeah oh thank you oh I just that was you know again you know just knowing how important she was to so many people Mm. and and how much hardship she grew up with um as a black woman in the south um in the time that she did you know and the things she has done the places she's been the you know and her as a polymath she is a true polymath and that was the other thing you know my love of polymath was like oh my god I get to make a film about a a, a powerful incredible human being who Mm -hmm. is a polymath who's done so much 
and has affected so many people. Um, and the fact I got to make that film in my style of sort of it was, you know, I was referencing video games and mm. and, and my my concept for that was basically if you played a fighting game like Super Street Fighter Two, you would not feel bad about any version of Maya Angelou because you'd be like, oh, that Maya, that's Maya Angelou. Oh, and that's Maya Angelou. You'd be like, that one's cool. And that one's cool. And that one's yeah. cool because there were so many versions of her as a character. Mm-hmm. They're all just totally badass. Um, so that was that was just great. And then, you know, following through that thread to, to the most recent film for Greenpeace of telling an emotional story, that that honestly, that that project was the absolute project of a lifetime to to make something really important that's drastically important for us to hear right now about the plight of the oceans but to tell to tell a sort of fictional story using animation and characters um to make people laugh and then cry and then feel galvanized it just and that's lovely because it's it, it it did make me think I'm really glad I'm a soppy sod because because I've got really really got to channel um, all of that into it and and I just I just do I think I think as I've got older I want to I just realize that actually you can learn to be more um, empathetic and to understand people better and you know growing up in the early in my early 20s you know I, I was just like any other you know early 20 something yeah. and I was sort of only thinking about myself really yeah. um, and and then as I just sort of started to mature just just you know and it became more and more involved in politics thinking what other people need how other people feel how we all feel together the 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 you know just because you've not done something or been somewhere doesn't mean you can't empathize with a person you know it it, it it's, it's incredibly important that we have empathy for other human beings going through things that we can only dare to imagine um and so i just wanted to and, and continue to want to put that um in my work really and and if i can you know affect people by i don't know hopefully making them laugh you know and make them feel something um or you know feel kind of um shocked at you know something like the greenpeace film um that i you know i'm in such a fortunate 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 position so yeah no thank you so much that really means so much to say that it's very very kind of you thank you for making us all all feel so much (laughs) I think like with your um with your work kind of that you do do with Ardman and and other stuff you I mean particularly I think Ardman they they really explore the complexities of the human condition the kind of characters are not always lovely people in the um things that they produce and um has that impacted a little bit on how you does that make you a little bit more forgiving do you think when you kind of explore humanity and all its complexities and maybe maybe that comes with getting older as well just kind of understanding that things just aren't black and white and that everybody has a you know darker side (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, nothing is binary. Human beings are not binary. We're not machines. And it's, it's, yeah, definitely it's, it's, you know, as the country has been more and more divided as the years have gone on recently, you know, it's, but it's hard. This is why it's really difficult to, to reconcile where if you have, if you have groups of people who are polar opposites who, who vehemently believe in different things, it's very difficult to reach across the aisle and mm-hmm. to try and stand out. But actually you've I've found that that, that sort of happens when you start abstracting people and you put them in groups, which is obviously, as we know, dangerous anyway. As soon as you start grouping yeah. people into different sections because you believe some people should have something and some people shouldn't, that's a dangerous part of, of humanity. Mm-hmm. But actually, as soon as you, should, but then, you know, that falls away, I think, when you do start speaking or connecting to an individual. 
um, you know, when you start realizing actually you are similar and, and sure you might have massive um, beliefs, but actually um, I think there's something to be said for just trying to sort of have um, civilized discourse mm. and to try and uh, communicate with people rather than um, shutting ourselves off mm. and just sticking in our own echo chambers. But that's really, really difficult. And that's something I'm trying to do, but it's really hard. I mean, at the minute, I'm just desperately trying to disengage from the news mm. um, because I just feel for my own emotional um, well-being at the minute, um, just need a bit of sanity. But um, but no, definitely it's, it's yeah, things aren't black and white. I always think that I always think like all the and all the Ardman films really like sympathetically, like even with their characters within them who are slightly more you know not not so nice. Maybe they're the villain yeah. of the piece, and then they always treat them sympathetically, don't they? There's always like there's always a I don't know. There's just a kindness to it always. I really love that. It kind of yeah, it kind of makes the world seem like a better place. I think without sounding horrible. Yeah, it's just not. Well, no, it is, isn't it? Because you just not you just people are complex and, and some of the best you know stories sort of do tell a more um you know if a villain is black and white then it's it, it sort of serves its purpose but mm-hmm. but actually you know they're, they're black and white and gray and everything in between um and that that makes for a you know especially if you watch it in a, a film where actually you then realize a character a, a villain's motivations is the reason why they are the way they are you know and you see that backstory of them all of a sudden it's a much broader personalities mm-hmm. a much broader character that then you have a much more complex emotional investment with mm-hmm. and, and I mean then you know when we're now getting into to film theory as well mm-hmm. into how to write character and that for me you know writing good characters is something that um, I want to learn and continue to, to get much much better on but mm-hmm. I feel like I'm in the best possible place at Ardman yeah. to, to learn those skills and also just watch and enjoy any story whether it's a book or or a film or or, mm. or a game you know and, and sort of deconstruct what it is about them actually one game that um i've become obsessed with um, called god of war which um was a a beautifully visually stunning game but it was and, and previously it's from a franchise that was hyper violent god of war you were basically mm. a, a god called kratos who basically just destroyed and smashed up everyone mm. and everything hyper violent but this game was sort of almost a reboot um, and it's a beautiful story of, of Kratos, the god, um, and his son, who he basically has no connection with because he's a god and he doesn't understand how to, to mm. talk about his emotions. The whole game is is you and your young boy um, trying to find the highest peak to scatter um, his mum's ashes. Oh, wow. um, and it's 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 beautifully choreographed. It's beautifully violent as well. It still is yeah. these epic action scenes. But the whole thread underpinning it is the inability for Kratos to to let his son know how he feels. Absolutely. And you play this game for 60, mm. 70 hours, right? And at the very, very, very end, when you reach the highest peak, the smallest piece of animation is that Kratos rests his hand on his son's shoulders and calls him son. Oh, my God, it absolutely broke me because throughout the entire game, he just refers to him as boy. He says, Mm. boy, boy, do this, boy, do that. Yeah. And and it you know to stick with a story you know to stick with a film for two hours but to stick mm. with a game for that many hours and then for that emotional payoff mm. at the end because you understand his complexities as a character of he's ashamed of the things he's done and the violence that he's mm. he's been a part of and, and 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 not understanding how to talk to a child you know it's like 
I totally understand and relate to this yeah. story, even though yeah. I'm playing mythical gods. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I you're get emotionally it, you know, invested. Exactly. That's the power of a good story. Mm. And it's it's, you know, the fact that something can connect with you and and again, you know, to to go back to that dream project of the fact that we could connect with people and hopefully make them feel something by manipulating some plasticine um, by by hand, you know, to make people feel something is is just a testament to trying to tell good stories, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, amazing. So 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 interesting. So we, we kind of need to draw it to an end, unfortunately. Even though I want to uh, talk to you for like hours and hours, um, <laughs> I'm going to ask you a really enormous question in in a simple sentence which is where do you draw your inspiration from but I think you've probably covered that or like lots of like you know film games and stuff like that but um is this stuff that you go back to time and time again to kind of find inspiration that's a good point actually yeah because I mean it's it's the classic thing of everything I love I just love sort of input really and I love music and I love games and I love I love art and I love photography Mm. and I think I love all mediums and I love all styles as well there's Mm. there's things I particularly love and I'm you know I'm a sucker for for super clean vector art but then I'm a sucker for things that I just simply cannot do so like beautiful oil paintings Mm. you know and and painters who command light Mm. in a way I could never ever ever do I think I like having this brain that that never settles for five seconds because I keep jumping around because as well as wanting to do different things my brain goes oh look at that oh look Mm. at that oh isn't that nice oh that's cool um actually what I have on my computer I have a I have a folder filled with over a thousand images of images I just find on the internet that I love Anytime I see something pop up on Pinterest or Instagram or Twitter, I save it into a folder. And then I've set my Apple screensaver to basically display random ch- pictures from that folder yeah. um, when my computer's on idle. And, and it's playing in front of me right now. And I, I love it. I, you know, I just love the, the variety of styles. But in terms of sort of things that I, come, I can come back to... Um, I don't know. I, just, I mean, I, I think like most people, I have these sort of sort of flags planted in the ground of um, I watched the anime masterpiece Akira when I was about yeah. 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. And and I think it sticks in my mind because I had never seen anything mm-hmm. like it. You know, being a kid growing up in the Midlands with four channels on TV mm-hmm. to watch this this futuristic story um, that was essentially a cartoon of, you know, biker gangs telekinetic kids and battles with laser guns and mutating um uh, telekinetic superheroes was just in a totally foreign language Mm. was just mind-boggling the same way that i played um a video game called metal gear solid um and on the playstation and it was the first time that to, to solve some of the puzzles in the game um one of them was you had to find the correct codec number to call a to call a sort of an intercom thingy in the game and there's no way to know how to do it unless you turn over the back of the disc box on the game and then in a very small square was the codec you needed for the first time ever a a an an interactive piece of art the game had made you look outside the screen yeah. You know, that that changed my mind, that blew my mind. So I guess it's these things, it's these sort of profoundly different offerings from culture and creativity that have really stuck with me. And and sometimes I think, oh, of like most people, God, I would love to make something so culturally significant that it could change the perception of the way people think about medium. Yeah. 
that's a pretty lofty goal. I don't think I'll ever do it. So I'm just very happy appreciating how it made me feel back then, mm. that excitement of just, you know, mm. wanting to be more in that world. And I think I think that's like a constant sort of inspiration for me, for sure. I remember a tweet you put out a while ago um, about Boys in the Hood. So I think we probably mm. similar kind of age, maybe. Um, and... Um, just like what a massive profound effect it had on you when you first saw it. And um, I, I was exactly the same. Like I grew up in Lincolnshire, so not that far away from Leicester. Mm. And um, had, you know, I'd had a very kind of uh, quite closeted white um, upbringing. And I watched this film and I was, my mind was blown. I was like, wow, it, did, it, it changed me overnight. Like I just realized there's so much more in the world out there. That there it was just... It was culturally so important, that film, I felt, at the time. Um, yeah, it's one of those things that was really life-changing. Oh, massively, yeah, because it showed us a, a totally different way of living, of life, of people of a different colour, where, you know, like you say, you, you grow up in your in your world, and that's why culture and media and creativity is so important, because yeah. it shows us different voices and different times and different situations, and and, you know, if anything, I guess you know I can credit all the different culture that has made me empathetic and and want to reflect that in the work I make I guess because you know that's what's so powerful about it it shows you things yeah you know boys in the hood was I I I just didn't know what to think I just I was blown away you know like you say and it's it's and then I was really into really got into gangster rap sort of at school at the same time someone would lend me cassettes of Wu-Tang and Snoop Dogg and Cypress Hill and and you know the worlds that they were talking about was so alien to me you know growing up in in Leicester you know but but I still I felt like it was important to listen to it I liked it I I liked hearing because it just makes starts your brain trying to think of different situations of oh you know because especially when you're a kid you know your world is your world you know it's your parents it's your family it's your your educate that's it you know that framework is that's it isn't it so Mm -hmm. to hear and to see others it's only going to help isn't it it's only going to help make you more tolerant more understanding more curious yeah yeah more empathetic so yeah definitely the first time I saw a Caravaggio um painting in I think it was in like the um National Gallery or somewhere like that I couldn't believe that someone could paint light onto a canvas like that I just I I felt I think I I welled up I was like this is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life and kind of set me on a path to obsession about Caravaggio after that and just like (laughs) made me I ended up going to art college and I did a b-tech in art and design and uh, art history so I can definitely relate to your your b-tech um and kind of yeah just it changed my life just seeing like one painting like that I just think we can't underestimate the impact that has on young minds and stuff but how amazing is that, that that is someone's creation putting it out into the world? So like all of us that make things and put it out there, mm-hmm. we have the potential to do that. We might never know it. We might not never achieve it. But we also, you won't know because Caravaggio won't have just got an email and gone, oh, mate, you That's really cool. touched Liv's life. She, <laughs> yeah. she, she, she had tears and she, she totally changed the course of her life. You know, there's no way for you to know. I mean, I mean, maybe in the modern day, if you're still alive making stuff, um, you might get contacted by someone, um, which is which would be fantastic. But generally, it's also nice that that kind yeah. of isn't the driving force. It might just be a byproduct. And what a byproduct to leave yeah. that you could affect someone else. 
Yeah, like Tracy Emin's Unmade Bed was, was another one for me, like a particular time in my life. I just saw that for the first time and I was like, wow, she gets what it's, she gets me. She gets me completely. Like I saw so much of myself in that piece of work and stuff. And yeah, it was amazing. It makes you feel like you're not alone. It makes you feel connection and so important, isn't it? Definitely. And sometimes just seeing someone do something you wish you could and you, or in a different way that makes you go, oh, I do that in that way that everyone else told me it was weird, but yeah. you do it like that and people are loving you for it. You know, it just gives you confidence. It just gives you uh, like, oh, okay, maybe the way I do things is okay too. That's great. Yeah. We need yeah. that. Yeah, I'm not weird. <laughs> or yeah. I'm not this, yeah. I'm not that. Or, or yeah. they're weird and I'm weird. Excellent. Yeah, that's great. We're both weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really oh. nice. Oh, well, thank you so much. It's been so great to chat to you. I could honestly talk to you for hours, um, but um, I think we probably should wrap it up so you can carry on with your day. But um, Well, for your poor t- listeners as well, so they can get on and do <laughs> yeah, some other exactly. stuff. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, no, thank you. It was just so great to chat with you. Thanks so much to Gavin for being a guest on today's show, the final show of season three. There'll be show notes and links to everything we discussed on the episode page of the website, theelasticbrand.com, and you can also find us on Twitter, ElasticBrandPod. Bye!